Welcome to Stall Warning. I'm your host, Ponchito Ojeda. Alongside me is Dominican University of California men's lacrosse coach, Sammy Vogel Seidenberg. How are you doing today, Sammy? I'm good. I'm good. That's a mouthful of an intro. <laughs> As I was saying, I was like, that's a lot of, uh, a lot of syllables. Yeah, no, that's usually how it goes for me. Yeah. Hopefully I put the right emphasis on the wrong syllable, but we'll see. We'll see <laughs> it's that Marquette education for you. Hey, it sounded good to me. <laughs> That's great, man. So, hey, thanks for joining us today. Uh, how are you and your family doing during this COVID-19 uh, time? Uh, we're good. You know, it's uh, it's nice to have the family time that I normally don't have this time of year. Um, but, you know, it's it's been really good just spending time with the kids. And, you know, I have an eight-month-old. I didn't get a lot of time with him before season. So it was it's really nice to start bonding with him a little bit more and, um, you know, just trying to make the, the best of the situation that we're in. Yeah, hundred percent. How is your team uh, holding up? Everyone doing well? Yeah, good, good. We've um, we've been staying in contact with them. I've been doing weekly check ins and uh, weekly professional developments with them. Um, we actually have one this afternoon, and it's it's been good. It's you know just trying to stay in contact with them, keep them you know in good spirits, and thinking about next year, um, while also just trying to get them through the online schooling. Uh, but they've been they've been all very positive about most things, um, which is pretty awesome. That's awesome, man. I'm really glad to hear that. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's a challenge for all of us to get through this, and uh, and obviously the for our seniors, uh, terrible news. Uh, for all of our players, not great news, but at least they have another shot. Um, you know, so I'm just glad I'm not a high school or collegiate senior dealing with this. So, yeah, no, uh, that's got to be the hardest thing for sure. Yeah. So let's but let's let's take a step back here. Uh, we want to talk a little bit. Uh, about your story and how you got to where you are and then have you tell us a little about Dominican story kind of as you guys merged together. So, you know, let's, uh, let's just take a, a step back. You know, you went to Westlake high school, graduated in, in 06. You were a, a dual sport athlete, right? Hockey and lacrosse. Yeah. So uh, I was a quadruple sport athlete my first two years at Westlake. So I played hockey uh, and then I did cross country both in the, in the winter season. And then I would do track and lacrosse in the spring season because this was the time before either sports were recognized as a high school sport in California. So you still had to get PE credits. So rather than taking PE, I took two years of track and field and cross country. So <laughs> that's a, it's a smart move. I'm yeah. sure lacrosse love that. Yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> Definitely kept me busy. So then after, after Westlake, you, you went on to, to go to Humboldt state up in, uh, it's Arcadia, right? Arcada. Arcadia is down in the LA area. Oh, right. Well, yeah, you know, North so, South. they sound the same. <laughs> uh, up to Humboldt and you played four years there and you played some hockey as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, after Westlake, I, I, you know, I wanted to go play collegiate hockey and lacrosse and, um, hockey was always kind of my, my number one sport and lacrosse was kind of my number two. And when I went to Humboldt, it kind of switched a little bit, but, uh, you know, I, I had a couple opportunities to go play, uh, college hockey at some, some big name schools and, Decided to go to Humboldt because they gave me the opportunity to play hockey and lacrosse. Um, and I wanted to do both. And it was also an opportunity to kickstart two programs. You know, Humboldt's been around for a long time, but they were just coming off of a uh, 
about a four year hiatus. Um, so we were just basically starting up again and it was a really great opportunity, a, a great experience, you know, to kind of build a team, find a coach and, you know, now they're, they're doing a lot better. They're thriving, but you know, it was, it was, uh, it was definitely an interesting few years being a part of that program. Yeah, absolutely. So your four years at Humble was uh, very exciting and you got that program going again and you played for uh, Coach Tony, correct? Yeah, Tony Savaggio. Uh, I was. I actually hired him. Um, we were my first year there. We were player coached, um, and we weren't officially in the league yet. And we were just, you know, going up and playing whoever we could, and you know, getting getting whooped. And I was a goalie. I'd get a lot of shots. <laughs> we didn't have the ball in the offensive end very much, but um, it was a cool experience. And uh, and then we, you know, we're like, okay, we need to find a coach and. Luckily, Tony Savaggio is, you know, he's from Syracuse. He played out there and he was a, you know, PhD professor um, and, you know, on campus lives in town and was able to get him to come on. And, you know, he sacrificed a lot and put in a ton for that program for 10 years. And, you know, I mean, I couldn't thank him enough. He made me the man I am today, but also, you know, helped that program stay alive for years where it probably shouldn't have. And a lot of that has to do with him. Yeah, Tony's the man, dude. He was an awesome guy, just a good, good lacrosse dude. Um, loved, loved him. He'd be a great guy to have on the podcast. Just hear his story. Oh my gosh. Yeah, he's got a uh, he's got a crazy story. Like you, some of the like a lot of people don't know his story, and it's it's pretty wild. But he's he's a wild guy, and he comes from a very wild family. But uh, I love the guy. He's an awesome dude. Um, you know, nobody else I'd want on my side or on my sideline. To be honest, I mean, he was a great coach and really understood the game, but also just had so much patience, you know, I mean, and you had to for that, that program, <laughs> you know, we, we would, there were times where, you know, we're going up to play Southern Oregon and we roll up to the vans and there's 10 of us and we're going, all right, what are we going to do? And he's, and we're literally driving around Arcata, knocking on doors and being like, get out of bed, get in the damn van. We're going up to Oregon and, you know, pulling the team together and just going. And like I said, you know, I don't think we would have survived without that. Are you saying you guys don't do that now? Uh, it's a lot better than it was for sure. So we finally hired a, a coach who's like really putting in the time and, um, not that Tony didn't, but you know, he was a teacher too. We have somebody there now who's just coaching. Um, and he's, you know, I think he's going to turn that program around, or at least we hope we, we, he does. I'm part of the alumni board there and we hired him this, this year. Um, so we're excited about what, what he can do for the program. He's, he's actually recruiting now those kind of things. So I think it'll get better, but yeah, it was still like that for a while. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's definitely MCLA D2 is an experience to say the least. I mean, you know, there's times where we would camp out, you know, in the middle of Portland just before our game against Portland State uh, to go play them, you know, things like that, that were just like, you don't do with any other program. So, <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, I think MCLA D2 uh, could have its own podcast just talking about yeah. the, the varieties of types of people in division two it's yeah the, the best teams are incredible st thomas st john's those guys are great but right. um you know it's it's the the changes at the bottom of the ship there are totally different a totally different approach to the game and and not bad just just different and right. it'd be so interesting to hear that story about those programs yeah you uh, really have like your top tier and then you have your middle and then you have your bottom and it doesn't necessarily mean that like 
like they're just so off. It's just like some programs are run very differently than others, right? You have programs that are funded and you have programs that are not, you know, and, and they're just held up by their bootstraps and by the players who have the passion to keep playing and, you know, for the love of the game at the end of the day. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. you know, you, you leave Humboldt and, you know, you, you head out and, you know, interestingly, you don't start coaching lacrosse right away. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, I well, my last year at Humboldt, I, I, uh, I got an injury in during my hockey season and I tried to play through it and I got through about half my senior season before it gave out on me. So I actually started coaching the women's team, um, at Humboldt while helping with the men's team and being around, you know, cause they needed some help. So that was kind of my first intro to coaching. Um, but then after that, I, you know, I had an opportunity and I knew this was coming to, to play some professional hockey, um, some semi-professional hockey. So I took that opportunity. I ran with it. Um, I got to play for, a full season before I blew out my knee again, my second knee, um, and had to make the decision of, okay, what am I going to do? Am I going to keep playing or what? So I decided to move to LA and, um, work in the film industry and train for hockey while also picking up a lacrosse coaching job. Um, and then playing a a little bit more semi-pro hockey after that while still working and coaching and just keeping myself busy. Um, so it was a really cool experience. Um, it was something that I think, you know, shaped where I am as far as a coach and, um, those kind of aspects and, you know, being able to play at the pro level and get that experience and get paid to play hockey was, uh, not a bad thing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that would be a pretty cool experience for anybody. So so you started at Oak Park. Uh, was Tarek there at that time? He was, yeah. So Tarek was the one who hired me on, um, and it was uh, it was really cool. You know, I mean, I knew of Tarek because you know, of course, like Westlake Oak Park, they're right near each other. Um, I never really like like got to experience Tarek <laughs> before I took the job, um, but he's an awesome guy. Um, we're still really good friends, and you know, he really again like got me that passion for coaching, but also really just taught me a lot. You know, he's such a knowledgeable guy um, and be able to have him, you know, in my ring was pretty awesome. Yeah. Tark's good. Really good coach. Good dude. Good mentor yeah. of men. Um, so you, you coach with Tarek in 2011, 2012, mm-hmm. and then you get a chance to coach in division three, which is a, which is a big jump, you know, it's a yeah. big jump from D3 and you head out to Washington and Jefferson. And, you know, first off, how did that go, you know, moving across the country? Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, everything a, coaching. Yeah. It's a funny story, you know? So I, you know, like I said, you know, like you said, I mean, I, you know, I put, look, I played at Humboldt state. I played MCLA D2. Um, you know, we were in the division for one year when I was there, it was, you know, and, but I learned a lot, right. Like being able to run, almost run a program in the sense of hiring a coach, being there in all the meetings, getting all that stuff done, like, and being a goalie, you know, I learned a ton during my time there about the game and the ins and outs and those kind of things and also how to lead, right? I was a captain for three years there. And so when I came to Oak Park, um, I had a lot of success early on, right? Like I ran the G- JV program and my first year in the JV program with 14 guys, we went 13 and two. Um, and then the men's team, the I was the assistant coach and the offense coordinator and the goalie coach for the uh, the varsity team. And, you know, we went 18 and 0, made it to, the finals and lost to Palos Verdes, um, you know, and that was like my first experience as coaching and just had a lot of success early on. And second year had the same success at the JV level, not as much success at the varsity level. We graduated 
guys like Grant Consoletti who played at UMass and a couple guys who played ASU. So a lot of talent there. Um, but yeah, you know, and, and so I was working in the film industry during all of this and I had a pretty good job and, you know, making good money and, um, really just hated it. <laughs> Wasn't enjoying it at all. Loved coaching and decided, you know, um, when that, when that job ended, I was like, Hey, you know, like, let me make this change. And, um, you know, I, I, had I started applying to jobs and um, the Washington Jefferson job opened up. I applied for it. The coach took a chance on me. Um, I mean, fully took a chance on me, right? Like, you know, I, like you said, I didn't have a lot of experience before then. And, right. you right. know, and, and he was a, he was a guy from California as well. So he kind of knew the area, knew of me, those kind of things. So that helped. Um, but yeah, I ended up taking the job and moving across the country. And, you know, I was with my, now wife at the time and um basically came, went to her and said hey i'm taking a job in pencil in washington pennsylvania and i'm moving and that's it and you i hope you stay with me <laughs> and well, she yeah. <laughs> I'm working, I'm working for her she said yes yes thank god she said yes and uh the the engagement at in, going into summer was what was keeping her with me and she stayed with me which i appreciate more than anything. And, uh, the, the next part of the story is, you know, is even more interesting, but yeah. So ended up, uh, you know, moving back East, driving across the country in three days. Um, cause I got hired on late. I was hired in September, jump, got thrown right in was, it was me and the head coach there. Um, I was a defensive coordinator and, you know, we had a good year. Um, and we ended up winning our conference, which was really cool. Um, not making the tournament or anything, but we at least won the conference and, uh, you know, it was a good experience. Um, I don't, I'm not going to like talk bad on anybody, but I did a lot more than I probably would have done at any other job. Um, I basically had a lot of head coaching responsibilities, recruiting responsibilities, those kind of things. Um, and so that was, you know, it was, it was a great experience, it was a great opportunity. Those young men were, were great guys. And, uh, you know, I really enjoyed my time there. That's awesome. What a, what a cool opportunity to be able to go East and get in the NCAA ranks. Um, you know, interestingly, you're only there for one year and, yeah. and you head back to Idaho, you know, what, what, what prompted you to leave? Yeah, you know, it, it was it was a really cool position, right? The intern position at WJ is, you know, you get housing and food and uh, you know, a stipend and you know, you don't spend a lot of money and you just, you know, you friends with all the other coaches, you live with other coaches. Like I lived with the assistant soccer coach and we became really good friends and um, but you know, my like I said, you know, I had a lot of responsibility there. You know, I I had to recruit the class. I um I did a lot of the work and, you know, uh I didn't the the relationship with myself and the head coach wasn't great, to be honest. You know, I mean, he was a, he's a good guy. I've, I've nothing against him, but, um, you know, the way he, he went about things, the culture he brought, the kind of way he treated his players was not really what I stood for. And I felt at that point, it was like, you know what, like, I feel like I got the experience that I needed. I want to move to a, to a head coaching position. And I, you know, I think I can do that. And, you know, so I took the risk and I left the job with before having another job and just, you know, started, moved back out to California and started applying to coaching, coaching jobs around the country, wherever I could find. And, you know, luckily the opportunity at Idaho opened up. Yeah. You know, it's always tough to face the situations when, when things don't jive and, uh, you know, just like we tell players, right. Sometimes it's just not the right fit. Doesn't, there's no reason why it's just not. So, 
you come back, you're in California, you apply, you, you hear from Idaho, mm-hmm. they want you to come up. You know, are you looking at, at your fiance and saying, <laughs> you want to do this again? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, this time I had her involved in it. Right. So, you know, I said, I, I, instead of just like applying to jobs without telling her, taking the job and leaving this time we applied with to jobs together and she, you know, approved every job I applied for, um, those kind of things. Right. And, you know, came to visit on every job that I got interviews with. So, you know, I had a couple opportunities that, you know, the, the two main ones I was considering were, were university of Illinois, um, and then university of Idaho. And we visited both and, um, you know, we, we went to Idaho and, and fell in love with the community, with the campus, with the, the players, you know, and I knew the difference between the two was Illinois went to the national tournament the year before and Idaho was a perennial loser, right? They didn't win a lot. You know, they were never had a winning season, never really had a lot of success. And I, and I'm a person who likes to challenge myself. And I said, you know what, like, I don't care how many players they have. I don't care what their history was. I'm, if I can go in and turn that program around and put them on the map, I mean, it'll be a lot easier for me to move on. And I looked at it as a, as a stepping stone. Like I didn't expect to be there for, you know, five, six years. Right. Um, right so, sure. yeah. So, you know, and, and so we visited, we loved it. Um, I took the job, um, you know, and was able to, to move up there and, um, Tasha was still in school. My wife was still in school. Um, she's a speech therapist, so she couldn't move yet. Um, so we had to do another year long distance. Um, this time we were engaged, so it was a little bit easier. Um, but, you know, did, did two years there uh, and we ended up getting married after my first year um, and she moved up there. So she was up there for a year with me as well. And we really loved it up there. We still always say like, we want to go back and, you know, we visit it a lot and it's a, it's a really great place. So I, I, I'm very happy about that decision and had a lot of success there, which was, you know, the most important thing at that time. So. Yeah, you guys. I mean, you guys really hit it hard, right? You, your first year, you finished uh, six and, and seven. Yeah. Um, but then the following year, you are eight and seven. But you have the de- definitely the biggest win in program history with an eleven eight win over Oregon. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was. Uh, you know, when I my first year there. I showed up to campus with, you know, I think there were 12, 14 kids on the, on the roster, um, able to, was able to recruit a couple guys to come out and join the team, um, who were on campus and, you know, just there. I mean, it's, it's a frat school, right? I mean, there's 20, 30 fraternities and sororities on campus. So that's what everybody gets into. Right. <laughs> um, and, and, and to the point where like, you know, if I recruited 60 guys to come to that school, probably 10 to 15 would come out and play. Right. Um, you know, and that's kind of what I knew I was running into, but, you know, luckily we had a really good core, um, a really good group of senior, uh, junior seniors, that kind of age group. Um, I mean, we probably had one of the best players to ever come out of Idaho and Patrick Tunison, um, one of the best goalies, Craig Patrick. So, you know, we just had a lot of talent. And so that first year, you know, I, I really tested them. You know, I, I ran it hard. I put in my culture. I, you know, really pushed them and they responded. And I said, you know, look, they, these guys can do it. We had our best record, our most wins in program history, um, our best record in program history. We, you know, 
um, had a chance, had lost uh, the spot in playoffs by a coin flip because there was a three-way tie. Um, and kind of good that we did because my goalie was out. Um, my starting midi and defense was out in our Boise state game. We lost by one. So, um, it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was really good. And then that next year, um, you know, we tested, we tested ourselves. We played a really tough schedule. We went down to Southern California and played, you know, three ranked teams. Um, but we, you know, I, I recruited really, really hard. I had to, cause we needed numbers. So we ended up going from, you know, a 16 man roster my first year to a 35 man roster my second year, which is the biggest roster they ever had. Um, you know, and again, I had, I recruited almost like 35, 40 kids to come to the school and it's the only way we could have gotten to those numbers. Um, you know, and then we were able to, to do really well. And, you know, and, and, you know, we went on like a, I think it was like a four five or six game win streak before playoffs, um, you know, beat Oregon, which was, a it's one of the biggest wins in my career. It was a really awesome win for the team. You know, they'd never beaten Oregon before, you know, their perennial powerhouse and the PNCLL. Um, so to go and do that, that season was, was really awesome. Um, and just really great for the guys, you know, just to get that. And, you know, they still, the, the head coach there was now was one of my players and still holds that memory dear near to his heart and, uh, made playoffs, had our first winning season in program history, um, made playoffs for the first time, I think in five, six years, um, lost in the first round to, a, to the eventual winners in Oregon state. Um, but it was, uh, yeah, it was a really cool opportunity, a really great, great season there. Yeah, yeah, that was a, a really good year and something to be proud of. And, you know, that summer comes around. And obviously we know, you know, the Dominican head coach at the time was Matt Blamey, who had the job to coach at Sierra Nevada College, um, which he took them to a couple national championships. Um, but uh, that job opens up and you're a California guy. And so you apply for the gig, you know, what was that process like when you were looking at Dominican and, you know, coming on board there? Right. Right. Yeah. So, you know, I, uh, <laughs> it's, it's a, another kind of funny story. So, you know, my, my wife and I were, uh, we got married the year before and we were on, we were going on our honeymoon that summer and, you know, I'd been applying to jobs like crazy. I didn't tell Idaho I was leaving yet. They kind of knew it was coming, but, um, I wanted to get a job first. And my whole thing was, you know, look, if I find a job, I'll take it. If I don't, I'll stay at Idaho for another year and then move on. So, you know, I, I was happy to stay there if, if, if I didn't find something. So, um, so I actually ended up getting an opportunity, um, somewhere and I actually was gonna about to accept the job. And then two jobs opened up. It was the Cal Poly head coaching job and the Dominican head coaching job. And, um, you know, and, and I never thought either of those jobs would open up, right? Like, you know, you're talking about, Dominican being D2 previously and Ned Webster being there and then Blamey taking over and you're just like, this is just going to stay how it is. Well, that job will never open up. Right. Um, same thing with Cal Poly, you know, Mark Lee has like been there forever. Right. So when he left, it was a huge surprise for a lot of people. And, um, you know, and ended up basically, you know, I was interviewing for both these jobs on my honeymoon in the Galapagos islands. I did a Skype chat with the Cal Poly coach people while like at a, hotel computer in the middle of nowhere. Um, so it was a pretty interesting and very cool opportunity and experience there. And, um, huh? 
Galapagos Islands? Was that a humble brag that you went to the Galapagos Islands? <laughs> I guess, you know. <laughs> yeah, we went to the Galapagos Islands for our honeymoon. <laughs> uh, uh, stuff. Let's talk about that. No, I'm <laughs> Hey, it was awesome. It's one of the coolest places in the world. If you haven't been there, go check it out. And the marine iguanas are really cool. <laughs> that sounds fun. Sounds yeah. incredible. So yeah. you're interviewing for two jobs. You got Cal Poly, you got Dominican. And how'd you settle on Dominican? Yeah. So, you know, I, I think Dominican was somebody, some, a school I known pretty well just from playing against them twice when I was at Humboldt, um, knowing some people who went there, uh, as well as, you know, the the opportunity to kind of go to a smaller sh- private school, those kind of things. And, and look, Cal Poly would have been a great job, but I, like I said before at, with Idaho, I like a challenge and Cal Poly, I don't feel like would have been as much of a challenge for me. Cause you know, look, they're a good team. They have good players who show up. They don't need to recruit as much. And I love recruiting. Um, you know, there's a lot there that's, you know, and, and there's a lot of, more maybe more opportunity to succeed but also fail right like if i don't take that team to the national championship that year then that doesn't look good right and the guy who took over did right um and well we didn't even get close but you know um the dominican job was you know i'm start i was starting a family um you know and the dominican job was a full-time job with benefits i mean there was not even a question at that point that it was like you know i knew it was going to be hard um didn't necessarily know how hard i originally thought there would be more on the roster and there was supposed to be um so when i showed up and there were 12 guys um that was a bit of a surprise and i knew i was gonna have to rebuild again and i knew it was gonna be harder than idaho um but you know i was excited about the challenge and the opportunity and I don't regret any decision I made and I'm very, very happy at Dominican. It's a great job. It's a great culture. It's a great group. I'm get to work in the athletic department. I get, you know, I I get to coach full time in the MCLA, which is rare. Yeah. It's a totally awesome gig for you. Great chance and opportunity. So, you know, let's talk about Dominican and and kind of how these stories merge. So I'll just kind of give a quick uh, history lesson. um, If I'm, mess anything up you know feel free to to correct me uh, yeah i gotcha so dominican was led by coach ned webster who's now currently the, the head coach at california berkeley and they won what was called the western intercollegiate lacrosse association league in both 2013 2014 um before dominican and, and coach webster decided to, to part ways and uh you know was taken over in 2015 by current head, arizona head coach matt blamey who transitioned them to the MCLA after Dominican announced it dropping. So you arrive in 2016 and your first season, you guys are five and seven. Yeah. You know, you have a short roster. It's, it's thin, you know, but obviously the first year is the first year. There's, there's lots of things that go on with that type of stuff, but let's move into, um, you know, 2017. Yeah. So in 2017, right. You guys uh, start to make, make the move. It's uh, you have a, a big freshman class coming in there uh, with um, oh my gosh I'm blanking on these young men names now uh, Garrett Blade. T Garden yeah Blade. T Garden Blade and was Maxwell Pierce a senior uh, no he's a junior and Blaze was the year before he was like adopted in kind of thing him and Harrison right right Harrison yeah. right right yeah, yeah. So yeah. you get a couple of guys in T Garden being the biggest one yes uh, talk about how that process came about of kind of getting some big 
recruits in and, and what how that changed the landscape at Dominican. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, like you said, that first year we were super short roster. I mean, it was I had a couple transfers come in, in the spring and you know, we were we we were we had, you know, Cody Bernstein, who's a great player, and Michael Manfredi and, you know, these guys and that that are names, you know, but you're talking we had four midfielders and two attackmen. So basically we would rotate one midi and one attack every like every every few minutes um so it was it was it was pretty crazy and you know we were graduating a huge senior class i mean it was like eight guys and so we needed to bring in a lot of bodies and a lot of people and so we mass recruited um you know i'm 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 honest about that we brought in whoever we could and we targeted a few really really key guys that we knew could you know bring the program to the next level but you know we really just wanted people we needed people we needed as many as we could whoever it was we didn't really care we just wanted to bring in guys and uh i think that's it was important at the time but i i do wish that i did was a little more selective and a little more finding of like what actually fits at dominican right it's a very particular type of school it's a small school not a lot of students um a very tight community a really really great community um a really great academic school and a lot of success coming from our program and and everybody else at the school as far as post-grad um but you know, it's, it's also, there's not a lot, like you said, like I said, it's not a lot of people. It's a lot of people commute. Um, you know, the athletes stay on campus, but outside of that, it's, you know, most, mostly, you know, the athletes. And so, um, you know, it's just a, you have to find the right people who fit within that culture. And you can see that with us only graduating three from that class. Um, you know, and there are a couple more guys who, who, you know, had a career ending injuries or, um, you know, are still on campus and are going to be graduating that were part of that class, but are just not playing anymore. Um, like Mateo Tolosi and Darian Gagne and, um, Kevin Porter and a couple other guys. So, um, there are still guys who, who are there and graduating, but not playing. Um, and the guys who left were, you know, for legit reasons, right. Mostly money issues, those kind of things. It's an expensive school. So, <laughs> um, it, no doubt about it. So yeah. you guys, you struggle for a couple of years. I mean, you guys uh, don't don't necessarily you don't make playoffs. You're not you don't have a winning record. And then in uh, in 28, 2019, rather, I'm sorry, you guys have this promising start. It seems like you know yeah. you've got a lot of guys on on this on the roster. You know, I think as a coach who coached against you at that time, you know, certainly I think we all thought that that was the year that you're going to make the move. You start the season four and zero, and then you go to Stanford and you lose four to ten, and then you followed up by a trip to Boise and you lose two more games, yeah. uh, and then Cal, Santa Barbara, Cal Poly, which is a tough, uh, yeah. tough stretch no matter how good you are. But right. uh, yeah, you go from being four and zero to all of a sudden you're you finish the season four and seven. Yeah, you know how did that go uh, coaching during that time? with with the guys yeah you know so like you know we had a lot of really good players you know i mean you had garrett t garden being a junior and you know he was 
one of the biggest grabs I've had in my career here. It's he's an awesome guy and just was really stoked when he came and same with Eric Garcia, um, you know, it was a LSM and, you know, really unknown player, but has had a lot of success. Um, you know, and then of course, like, you know, we had guys coming in every year that were making impacts, you know, faster and faster, which was really great. Um, you know, and, and, and I think the big thing for that season was, you know, look, we had, um, it was almost another reset for us, right? Like we, 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 we were rebuilding from the start. Right. But I think that, you know, 2018 season was the last of guys that, you know, I didn't recruit, you know, or really the 2019 season, you know, Harrison and blaze and those guys were there from my first year. Um, but they weren't guys I necessarily recruited. So, you know, this, this, that next class that I was bringing in that year for that year of 2019 was going to be like, this is the class. This is the class that is going to, everybody's going to stick around. Um, they're all going to be the perfect fits for our culture, for our attitude, all this stuff. And we, at that point, build our coach culture, right? That season was not a waste in the sense of what we were able to build as far as culture goes. We created our, our team oath, our brotherhood oath that we live by and talk about and have hung up in our locker room. And we created a lot of the things that we've built into our team now to kind of start having the success we had this year. But, um, you know, we had a great fall, right? We went undefeated in the fall um, as well. But, you know, I think we played a couple too many easy games and, you know, we played easy games early on in the spring. And I think that, you know, the TCU game was a test for sure. And we were able to fight back in that game and we were feeling really good coming out of that. And there were a few things and like, I'm not making excuses, but, you know, you and our, backed out of our game because they couldn't make it because of the, um, because of a storm. Um, and then SNC, you know, didn't play that year. So we lost two games that we were supposed to play after TCU. So we had two weeks where we just weren't playing, you know, we were practicing a lot and it kind of really just, we weren't ready, right. Coming out of that, we were, more, we had more freshmen than we had upperclassmen, um, you know, and, and we hadn't lost yet. Right. <laughs> It'd been six months. We hadn't lost a game. And so then we finally, you know, we go play Stanford. We know it's a big game and we lose. And I just saw the shoe drop. I was like, all right, like we can respond from this. We're going to be all right. But like, you could see the the difference in the team at that point and went to Boise, lost a heartbreaker against Boise state, a game we definitely should have won. Um, and I think that point it was, it was really tough, you know, and, and we struggled to get back from that. Um, we had a lot of positivity coming out of the Santa Barbara game. And then we had to go play Cal Poly in Santa Clara. And it was like, you know, we just couldn't recover from that little lull in the season and, and that loss, especially with, with such a young group where, you know, as far as starters go, you know, there were seven out of the 10 on the field were, were, all freshmen. I had one goalie that year who was a freshman who played every game, every practice, never missed a day. Um, you know, so it was a, yeah, that we battled, but it was a great opportunity. It was a great experience and you could see what it did for us going into this, this 2020 season. Hey, so you go into 2020, right? Obviously big change. Uh, you know, you guys open the season, uh, with uh, two top opponents, um, in Arizona and Arizona State, and I don't care what anyone says; those guys are are talented. They're not just pushovers. Yeah. Uh, you know, you go in there and you, you guys come out of that that two and zero, and it seems like all of a sudden game on. 
yeah. uh, which is great. You know, obviously, congratulations. That was a hell of a start. Thanks. But the, I think the, the question then is, like, what happened? You know, you guys hit Cal Poly. And, um, you know, how much did you guys learn from that experience of, like, probably be on the highest of highs as you're flying <laughs> back to NorCal? Right. Being a, a pretty low point because you, you probably felt like you could compete with Poly and then you come out and kind of get blitzed a bit. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think, you know, the thing I'll say, you know, especially about 2020 is I think our fall made the difference for our start. Um, you know, we played all good teams. We played mostly men's league teams and we got our butts whooped every week at yeah, well, week after week. We won one game in the fall, but they were ready coming out of that. Like they, they got it. They understood. They, 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 they got the message I was sending to them. Right. <laughs> and, uh, and so we go, you know, we go into that first weekend and man, like it was incredible. I mean, you know, the, just the response from the team being down by a significant amount against Arizona and being like, Oh, here we go. And then just the fight, you know, to come back, we get down against ASU, the fight to come back and to walk out of that weekend two and O where, you know, previously that was on almost unheard of to walk out of Arizona two and O and for us to do that was, was awesome. I mean, it was a cool experience as a coach, you know, great experience and exposure for our program. And we'd never really been talked about. So for us to get that type of exposure, the rankings, it was incredible, but you know, I think the biggest thing is, you know, it was also a bad thing going into Cal Poly because, you know, the guys were very high on themselves, right? As they should be, right? Like you're getting that exposure for the first time, but it's also, you got to re- recognize that, hey, we're about to play probably one of the best teams in the country right now and we got to be ready. And, you know, we felt ready. Um, you know, we, I think the the, the two, two biggest things, for, factors for that game was, you know, we had a, a, a Cal Poly alumni on our team who was very emotional and wanted to win that game very badly, which is good and bad. And then we had, you know, a player who, one of our star players who was dealing with uh, some pretty intense personal stuff and made a lot of mistakes. And, you know, it was one of those things where it was, you know, I, I know what he was going through and it was really tough for him, but, you know, I, I appreciate him fighting through it, but it almost, you know, it was tough. Right. And, you know, we just didn't play our game and, you know, it's funny, we were up, we were tied, things were going really well and they just blew the barn doors open. They blew the barn doors open in the second quarter and then we came back and it was like, okay, like we got this, we, we can win this game. You know, it was, I think it was 13, 10, 13, 11 at one point, And then just, you know, uh, blew the bar, they blew the barn doors open again. Right. And just, we weren't able to respond. They're a very good team. And, but we learned a ton from that game. I mean, the biggest thing for us, we learned not, you know, offensively, we, you know, we had to be better in certain aspects, but I think really the biggest thing is, you know, our defensive play. Um, We were just getting beat on the shake moves and, you know, we had a coach in Casey Hawk who is probably one of the shiftiest attackmen I've ever seen. And so we just had him dodge one-on-one on the guys for, you know, a couple hours straight and, you know, they didn't get beat on shake moves anymore after that. Right. And I think we don't go on that, you know, three, three game win streak after that without losing that game. Right. And learning from that experience. And look, we ended up losing to the number one team in the country at the end of the season. So, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to say it was, you know, it was disappointing. We wanted to win, but we definitely feel like if anything, we learned a lot and we grew as a team because of it. Yeah. Early season losses are never a bad thing. 
then no. they can always help you out. So, right. um, yeah, obviously great, great run right there. Um, after that loss, you, you get three in a row, yeah. you finish a tough loss to Clemson, you know, but I think, um, you know, Clemson's a, a pretty, pretty solid team. Yeah. And we were without Corbelotti in that game too. So that's a tough one. Yeah. Tough one. Yeah. Um, but kind of looking, looking to this year and looking ahead, you know, what do you see, uh, for the future of Dominican lacrosse? Yeah, no, I mean, you know, I really felt like this year was was going to be that year we were going to really make that that big statement. You know, um, we were about to hit a, a tough stretch, but a really fun stretch with Georgia Tech, Kennesaw, Utah Valley, and then getting into conference play, um, you know, and we didn't get to really kind of spread our wings a little bit there. But, uh, you know, I think we really would have. I, I really believe we would have made conference this year for the first time, made playoffs um, for the first time in program history um, because, you know, the Willa wasn't a playoff kind of thing, right? It was best in the conference wins the Willa. But uh, yeah, so it would have been, you know, first time in program history. We really feel in that, that that was what was going to happen. Um, you know, so it was disappointing to say the least, but, you know, I think, you know, as everybody was dealing with this, it's, it's understandable. It's important that we're doing what we're doing now, but uh, yeah, the future looks really bright. Um, you know, we return everybody, uh, you know, as far as underclassmen. And like I said, you know, when, with that freshman class in 2019 that came in, um, all those guys, all 16 of those guys came back and we even had one transfer out who's coming back this fall. Um so, you know, we're, we're getting, we're returning everybody, um, as far as seniors go, we'll see, um, I'm hoping we'll return a few, um, we're still not sure yet, but you know, everybody else is coming back, which is great. And then as well as we have a really solid freshman class, a strong group of transfers coming in. And I definitely see us just continuing to be, you know, a, a power in the league and in the conference and, you know, starting to kind of go back to the uh, the old days of the Division Two success that we had. Um, I definitely see that happening here in the future and um, put another tough spring schedule together for next year. But, you know, feeling good about being able to handle that and be able to handle, you know, what, what's thrown at us. And at the end of the day, our goal is we got to let's make conference, you know, like that's what we need to do. And that's the statement we need to send. And that's what we're going to do next year. Awesome, man. Well, uh, you know, really appreciate having you on. It's great to hear your story and kind of the process of, of your, your path as a coach, as well as uh, Dominican lacrosse and where they're at. Certainly things look like they are, are moving up for, uh, for you guys, the, the Penguins. And I know I, I've coached a number of those guys uh, through my one-on-one lacrosse program yeah. and wish them nothing but luck. Um, so, uh, man, hey, thanks a lot for coming on. Make sure you keep your family uh, safe and sound, and, and we'll be talking soon. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I really enjoyed the conversation, and talk to you soon. All right.